get off to a crummy start. I had to restart the music. It played into how we record the podcast. Today will be a little different and kind of serious, but I hope helpful. And I definitely hope that it's not a lot of rambling. Uh, one thing, one of the challenges that I always had as being a, uh, a solo radio host is timing. Um, it's not that hard. I mean, it's really hard. You've got to have a lot to talk about. And you've got to have a massive ego and be super confident in every word that comes out of your mouth to uh, be a solo talk show host. But it's, it's kind of easy to just sit and talk. It's extremely challenging to get across what you have to say in a certain amount of time. Like when you're doing a radio show, you've got certain time segments and then you've got to get to a break and you've got to have it all wrapped up. So um, I'll be, I'll try not to be too rambly today. Floyd is off from the podcast. Hopefully we've explained this whole situation um, and how we hope to get the show back to normal on the air soon. Um, a quick explainer, if you don't know or if you haven't figured it out. So the show on the air is different from this as you might be able to tell from the uh, the at times cursing on this show, we would never say that on the air. Uh, before all the COVID stuff and different layoffs and furloughs and, and adjustments that not only our company, but every company has had to make. Hold on, I want to check something. I need to hit a button to make sure that what I'm saying isn't going over the air now. Um, what's on the air now on the show is different from the podcast. In the past, all I did was record everything we did on the air, uh, edit it together, and upload it as the podcast. Now, what's on the air is different from the podcast. Um, there are benefits, there are drawbacks, so it um, makes you listen to a, a little bit more. So, hopefully, you're still enjoying the content. I know everybody's life has been turned upside down. And with that... Um, what I hope will be some helpful insight. By the way, Floyd, not on today. He's got, he at 7 o'clock Tuesday morning, uh, which will happen in 12 minutes from right now, he's got to get a COVID test. Not because he's sick or feeling any symptoms. What did he say? It's for him going back to work. It has something with him going back to work. So he's totally fine. It's just precautionary. My other friend who's been on uh, the podcast episode on the show before, Alex Getz, will be here after I run through this. And again, I'm not, I'm going to try not to be too rambly and long-winded. I don't want to waste your time, even though we've got all the time in the world here on a podcast. Um, wise words over the weekend from uh, the former President Obama and, and others who spoke during Graduate Together. Uh, I want to come back to the LeBron James thing, though. I played it on the air Monday morning. I played it on the air again today. Have you ever seen the meme? Or I know you've certainly had the feeling where you've, just checking the air again, um, you've had a discussion or you had a talk with somebody or you had a presentation and then six hours later, your subconscious says, this would have been so much better to say. Or maybe it's your actual conscience that says, this would have been the perfect thing to say instead of this. Your brain is working. Your intelligence is working. And you're reflecting. I think we all feel that. So I played the LeBron James thing yesterday, and he kept talking about community. And I knew how important it was to hear somebody say that. Uh, and then I reflected on it in the afternoon. And I just wanted to further emphasize 
uh, the community aspect of his work. So I played this yesterday, and I'm going to play it again. I, I haven't added anything to this, but I want to add my own work. I'm going to co-opt his speech. It is time to chase every dream, accept every challenge, strive for greatness, honor every promise, and recommit to your community. I know that's the last thing you want to think about right now in the place you've been sitting in for the last two months. Really, I mean, the last 18 years for you guys. But it's the truth. The community needs you. And when I say to the community, I mean your rec league, your church, your youth group, and most of all, your school. They need you. Most importantly, building your community is how you change the world. Um, be the first generation to embrace your responsibility to rebuild your community. Class of 2020, uh, the world has changed. You will determine how we rebuild and I ask that you make your community a priority. Um, one thing I didn't learn until too late in life was the importance of community. I actually learned it most from my previous boss, my boss at the other place, uh, Nathan Reed. He was uh, at times um, a tyrant and a dictator, but it was for good. When the water crisis happened back in 14, uh, I had just started doing the morning show and it was, I was overseeing the station, but I was able to do this. And I basically sat in the studio all weekend to convey information about the water crisis. Um, never before had I had a boss or even anybody in my family. Uh, of all the things that I've learned from my dad, the, the two tenets that I take from him are um, be on time and most of all, be prepared. You only have yourself to blame if, uh, if you're not prepared. Uh, what's the old saying? This wasn't his fail to prepare, then prepare to fail. So my dad was all about preparation and being ready and being studied. Um, but we didn't do a lot of community things when I was a kid, other than little league and sports like that. That was my community involvement. Uh, volunteerism, no, that, that there wasn't that much. Uh, we adopted dogs. We had good friendships in our neighborhood, but there was never a sense of volunteerism. And maybe that's that wasn't something that was pushed so heavily or flaunted on social media because there wasn't any back then. Um, and that's a good thing for this generation and the one right before it, like the 90s kids. I was the 80s kids as much as that pains me to say because I did not like the 80s. But I think 90s and 2000s uh, was more embedded in volunteerism. I didn't learn that until my early 30s, thanks to my boss. And learning that and seeing that impact of sitting on the air, talking about the water crisis, telling you that there was a level three snow emergency and so many other important things. The mayor had died. Uh, the mayor was in a car accident. So many other things like that. Um, it, it, it showed me how important those things were to being embedded in part of a community. And also, hey, you don't have to play that song. Playing another uh, Bruno Mars song is not nearly as important as this community information. Maybe sometimes we went overboard, but... I got it. It was beaten into my head and learning that and understanding that. And when my last job went away, further embedding myself into our community and what had become my home, especially when it came to mental health advocacy, allowed me to be where I am right now, um, part of a community. And having moved around so much, uh, that was never that important to me. Um, my community participation in years past was... Um, events with the radio station, club nights, and things like that. Maybe this is just natural age progression. But to LeBron's point, he talks about 
you know, dreams and success and goals. And I'll steal a quote. I think it was a Bill Belichick quote. Um, Please focus on your community. That's not the quote. The quote is, take care of the little things and the big things will take care of themselves. In this sense, take care of what LeBron said, the things in your community right underneath your nose, the people in your home, the people on your block, your neighbors, the businesses that are right down the street from you. Don't worry about another. Don't worry about moving away. Don't worry about being in another state in a bigger city. Certainly don't worry about the people on social media who you will never, ever, ever, ever meet because they're not in your community. So worry about the little thing. Take care of the little things, your community, and the big things, your overarching dreams and goals and hopes will take care of themselves. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, More deep things here. Am I even recording? We are recording and we're at nine minutes. So hopefully this isn't too wordy. I'll try to go quicker with this thing. Um, I read an article last night on ESPN. It was one of the non-Michael Jordan things. And I have enjoyed the last dance, especially all the memes. Um, but this was from Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player ever. Um, and he probably always will be for my lifetime. An, an athlete who is definitely a peer of Michael Jordan in his own sport. And certainly when it comes to the Olympics, um, wrote this, the pandemic has, and again, a mega athlete, one of the most talent, one of the most gifted athletes to ever be on earth wrote this. Pandemic has been a challenge I never expected. All the uncertainty, being cooped up in a house, and the questions. So many questions. When's it going to end? What will life look like when this is all over? Am I doing everything I can to be safe? Is my family safe? My emotions are all over the place. I'm always on edge. I'm always defensive. I'm triggered so easily. Unless you're maybe a, a, well, if you're a a Kroger worker, a frontline worker, a a medical worker, um, you have definitely felt purpose and a sense of worth during all this. The rest of us have not. Many of our days have been a sense of worthlessness. And what's my purpose? I'm not important. I can't do when we are we are so much our jobs. Um, reading Michael Phelps' words, he can't do what 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 his work is. He has felt that sense of purposelessness, that worthlessness. But really, I think. of us have felt those words he wrote at some time during all of this. Um, I'm going to go back to my Facebook profile, and I've shared that article on my Twitter, which I don't talk about a lot. You know, we're on Twitter, but I don't share a lot, at Eric underscore Chase. Um, Uncertainty and a feeling of worthlessness are violent foes. As you can hear, they struck down Michael Phelps or brought him down every couple of days or so, as happens to all of us, especially uh, with somebody with a mental health issue. He has them. He's discussed them now. He's a big advocate for mental health. Um, he's tried to overcome some of his addiction demons. I think he had some DUIs. So let me go back to that, that tweet that I wrote. Uncertainty and a feeling of worthlessness or violent foes for anyone. If you feel like you're without purpose right now, you're not alone. A trick, do something small but meaningful, preferably for someone else. Good luck. That's my tweet. Um, I learned something in a book by Johan Hari. I think it's called Lost Connections, his second book. Usually when we're feeling down, we, we do something ephemeral, um, something short-lived um, for ourselves. We put something in our Amazon cart. We do a little retail therapy. Maybe something sexually related. We watch an empty calorie TV show. We eat empty calories. And the that that perk 
that buzz is short-lived. I've found through my own experience, and I learned from the book, when you do, when you're not feeling great, when you're lacking a sense of self-worth or or lacking a sense of purpose, which again, we ha- I'm I'm going to agree for all of us that we have all felt that during the hand gesture, all this. Do something for someone else, no matter how small. This sounds dumb, and I don't see a lot of people. Um, when I'm out uh, during the day walking the dogs, getting some exercise in, I will. I was never a hey kind of person. I just kept my head down um, in the past, minded my own business. But now I make it a point to say hello and smile to others. I, I'm the person that kind of forces it where you kind of stare at that person until they look up and you flash them a wave, maybe a smile. Um, that's what I try to do. I even pick up trash in my neighborhood. I always, I always have my uh, my dog poop bag with me, um, and I'll throw some trash in there. I'm not doing anything for myself. I'm doing something for my neighborhood, my community. So try this next time. Instead of when you're feeling down, when you're lacking a sense of self-worth, self-worth or purpose, and it will continue until we can all get back to some level of normalcy, our regular hours, our regular jobs, where every day doesn't feel like it's bed, shower, couch, dinner, bed, shower, all that. Do something for someone else. Um, there's an old quote, uh, the true level of, I always mess up these quotes. I have them all written down in a notes app. Um, the true grace of power is doing something for someone who can't do anything for you. Something like that. Um, another thing, you may or may not have listened to the podcast yesterday with Dr. Kang from Brightview, which is an, a newer mental health agency here in our area. They are a lot like... Um, Harbor and Unison and a renewed mind and Brightview um, is where a friend of mine, Jean Dries, works and she's really helped be a great steward, um, kind of like a mentor to me because she was at one of those places a long time ago and I said, hey, and somebody connected me to her and I was like, hey, I would really love to share my experiences uh, in mental health and help people and she's like, I'm going to help you do that. So uh, Jean at Brightview, I was happy to have her on, but Dr. Kang, apparently is a big time nerd and uh, in that podcast was excited when I said, I can talk about Batman all the time. He, we exchanged a couple of emails after the podcast and he recognized the signature on my email, which says sent from my Cybertronian communication device. If you get it, you get it. Uh, And I'll try to keep this brief so you can go listen to it on the podcast. I'll, I'll sum it up. We talked about how being in a routine is usually a good thing, but too much of a routine can be an evil monotony. I've talked about this with my friend, Dr. Andrea uh, from the University of Finley before in the behavioral sciences uh, department there. Um, If you deal with depression, routine isn't necessarily a good thing. If you are someone with borderline personality disorder, um, routine is a good thing. In my case, routine brings on monotony. Monotony brings on... uh, My mind begins to go on cruise control. My intellect isn't firing. My creativity isn't firing. And, and when it's not, I, I really sulk. I get sullen and I go into one of those funks. So to his point, he talked about like, there's the macro level of routine. Get up at the same time every day, roughly. Go to bed at the same time every day, roughly. You know, stick to your meals. If there's meals that you enjoy eating, eat them at the same time, blah. But then there's the micro level don't do everything by the same schedule every single day because that's how you'll sink into that monotony. So have the same, if 
the game starts at the same time, the game ends at the same time. But inside the game of your day, make sure little things are different. And I've said before, when I do some talks, if I feel like one of these things are, are, are going on, I walk the dogs every single day. Take a different route walking the dogs. Even if it's just going counterclockwise as opposed to clockwise, just do something to shake yourself out of the routine, the monotony. Sometimes, again, a routine can be our, not our worst enemy, but certainly an enemy. All right, that's it for the heavy stuff. We have a uh, we have a serious fucking problem, as pointed out by a very good friend of mine who I don't talk to nearly enough. His name is Brandon. We used to work together at Tower 98.3, and I'm so proud of what he's grown into. Um, he he was like an intern back in those days. Now he is a, a very talented, if not more talented than me, peer of mine who works, who has embraced my home city of Philadelphia. Uh, we talked about on a podcast last week how... Uh, buffets are probably done. Uh, I just saw a post from uh, Moose's restaurant, Souk, downtown. They're only doing reservations from now on. And there's six-foot signs everywhere. As, as we'll see more and more, there's plexiglass um, between the tables. We'll see that. Everywhere is going to look like a hockey arena. I'll miss buffets because the inner and... Uh, Trying to escape to the outer fat kid in me loves buffets. Loves because I have no portion control. I, I really have to get it under control. Why do you, Eric, why do you eat salad all the time? It's because I can eat a ton of it and satisfy the fat kid who wants to eat a lot of food, but not a lot of calories. And even then, I still fail. Um, so buffets are going to go away. But Brandon said, trick or treating is done. I mean, trick or treating is obviously not what it once was. Probably because you think it's less safe than ever. Not true. Um, And there's a lot more organized trick-or-treat activities. You go places, you go to trunk or treats. Rather than you go out from the second the sun sets till as late as your parents will let you stay out until you are so tired you can no longer carry pillowcases. But trick-or-treat, possibly done. Even trunk or treats, we shall see. I, I would look forward to your input on that. One more thing. Seven years ago, no, six years ago, seven years ago, the movie came out. I remember I watched the movie because I was getting ready um, with Megan. We were making a pizza for Pizza Palooza. And I think I came home from Pizza Palooza that night and uh, watched this movie called Snowpiercer. And I think I watched it because it said sci-fi, dystopian future, had a cool concept. um, And Chris Evans was in it. He was still newish Captain America at the time. 14. Yeah, well, he had done... Yeah, I, I had seen... So he was first, it was Captain America, First Avenger, and, and Avengers. But I saw this movie in 14. And I'm watching this movie, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's about... So the Earth has become frozen. So they get every, all the survivors left... I'm not spoiling anything, as usual. They get all the survivors left on Earth, and they put them in a 1,000-car-long train that just goes around the globe nonstop. And it's a class system. The rich people stay up front. The really poor people stay in the back. Um, Boon Jung Kim Hoon? The guy that did Parasite did this movie, and it was based off of a French book from, I think, the late 90s. Um, Parasite was about uh, class inequality and class warfare. So if you enjoyed Parasite and the concept of it and you enjoy action and sci-fi, you'll really like this movie. It's now a show is the upshot here. 
but I'm watching this. I'm like, I really like this movie. I thought they said Chris Evans was in it. He is utterly unrecognizable, at least from then. He is all he is almost always bearded now with his dog. He is darkly bearded with a knit hat on to stay warm in this movie. Tell me if you recognize him. I think you'll enjoy the movie. If you like my suggestions, you'll like this movie. And again, it's certainly aged well. Um, it's, set, it's now seven years old. But it's now a show on TNT starring David Diggs from Hamilton. Uh, Jennifer Connelly, whose face you might recognize. There are other familiar faces. Uh, I, I watch Westworld. There's a couple of faces on there that I recognized. And... It, after being in development hell because of creative differences for years, it finally made it into a TV series on TNT. The first one was Sunday night. You can watch it on the app on demand. You might need a cable login though. Um, and as I'm watching it, I'm like, man, it it might be hard to recapture the magic and uniqueness of that movie and turn it into a series. I'll make this comparison. Now, I'm going to keep going with it. I was a little doubtful during the first 20 minutes in, but then things started to unfold. I was a little too quick to judge. It's basically Law & Order Snowpiercer. This is kind of a spoiler. It, it, it will probably be the nexus of a murder under the setting and backdrop of class inequality and the passengers in the back trying to move up. For instance, like in one of the upper cars, there's hot tubs, there's pools. They have these beautiful indoor gardens. In the back, they eat bug protein bars. So, um, I, I how, how are they going to turn this great movie into a, a series of how many ever episodes? A murder. Sorry, that probably came over the podcast. So, that's that. Thanks for the time. Let me get to my friend Alex Getz, who I met a couple of years ago doing TEDx Toledo. Alex is a wildlife photographer, and every time I see a new bird in my backyard, I'm like, Alex, what's this? Awesome. It's great to hear your voice. Oh my gosh, quarantine. It's sucked the life out of all of us. I've, oh, that's uh... Probably morbid. No, 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 no. Um, I've already uh, introduced you. I've got something going uh, before uh, our little conversation here. But we, wh- I thought you'd be okay with all of this because you're home in front of your computer editing all day anyway. You know, I, <laughs> I it hasn't really changed life for me. I right. Guess. Yeah. So I'm okay with it. But it has interrupted some, like, dream projects. Like, I'm supposed to be in Zimbabwe right now for the whole month. Right. And, like, filming rhinos. And I'm like, what? I can't do that now. So yeah. I'm just kind of, like, on hold. And that's um, that's much larger than, oh, you know what? I just want to go out to the cock and bull and hang out with my friends. <laughs> Zimbabwe is definitely more ambitious. I forgot about that. I didn't know that you had any uh, shoots lined up. That sucks. Will they get it back on the calendar somehow, or is this stuff gone? I uh, The goal is to, to get it back on the calendar. Uh, we're still trying to figure everything out because some countries, like I'm also supposed to be in uh, Indonesia in July, mm-hmm. and they're not anticipating Indonesia even getting COVID until like June. Right. So I guess there's some delay there, and then they don't even know how long that's going to take to to you know settle i mean it hasn't even settled here so right i i my my favorite meme is uh who's the the 
black guy that looks like LeVar Burton. He's pointing to his forehead. You know that one? <laughs> oh, yeah. The thinking uh, meme or whatever? Yeah, yeah, I forget. Like, it's from some movie, and I remembered it one time and made a bunch of imaging out of it, and that was it. Um, can't can't have a second me can't have a second wave when the first one hasn't ended. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I'm like, that's so true. Um, yeah, man, I've been cutting my hair my, on my own for the past like year. I don't need to get out of here for a haircut. Right, 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 right. Um, so you bring up Indonesian. I was thinking, help me out with my global geography here. I I, I feel small in comparison to you. Usually, I'm I'm pretty confident in my global geography. I. I read all kinds of weird shit. I, I, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a polymath, but uh, Bali has controlled COVID somehow with all their tourist centric, like all these spots over in that part of the world, like in the middle of the Pacific, seemingly have controlled that. Uh, this isn't that where Indonesia is. I think Bali is in Indonesia. Hold on, I've got a giant <laughs> map next to me. Yeah, so I'm surprised I'm, I'm, when you said it's not there yet. I'm looking at it right now. And you'd think it would be such, like, you'd think they put a dot for the sake of, like, every American influencer goes there. Yeah, this is true. Has Reykjavik uh, taken a back seat now? I don't even know. What? <laughs> um, oh, you mean location-wise? Yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. All I know is Indonesia confused me for the longest time because it's, like, it's... Half the ocean? Not even half the ocean, but it goes into like another country or another island, and then there's also another country on that island. I don't know. It's weird. So aside from cutting you off from the rest of the world and your shooting projects, um, everything has really been pretty much the same with the exception of like most people not being able to go out to eat and do some of those things, right? Yeah, man. I just miss like my QQ kitchen and souk. And did you did you see the QQ open back up yesterday? I know. Callie immediately like yelled to me in the other room and was like, "So we're going like too soon?" And I'm like, "I don't know. We're trying to avoid people at all costs, but QQ might make it a little difficult." So you're in a I've always said so here's how things work since you probably don't know. So with so Floyd is furloughed um because of all this at least it's temporary everything it's temporary um so i record the majority of the show when i get in and then he and i record a podcast episode which is independent of the show content um Mm. while the stuff is happening on the radio like we're doing right now yeah so um QQ. What was I thinking? QQ. So I've said uh, there's three buckets. The people that are, that are going to run out, the people that are like <laughs> me, I'll pick and choose and I'll I'll be uh, courteous and respectful and, and wear a mask, especially, you know, places I go, which is mostly food shopping places where there are a lot of older people in the middle of the day. And then the people who are, who are super cautious are going to hold back. And it seems like, who knows what you can trust with what you read these days, but I, from what I have read... Um, the minority is the people who run out. It seems like you're in the second or third bucket. I think we float between the second and third bucket. Yeah, me too. I think there's some QQ is one of those super tempting things, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's like we can go to the second bucket. Here, um, I'll, I'll get. I'll. Uh, I know exactly what you're describing, and I'll. I'll put it. I, I, I'll go to Target. No hesitation. I mean, 
Like, really? We when, haven't gone to Target yet. When I need to. Like, I, I'm oh, not okay. going like twice a week or three times a week like I was before. I'll get a list yeah. together and then, and I have I have no hesitation going there. I ain't going mm. to Walmart. Yeah. And like, really, I shouldn't need to explain that any more than that. Yeah. I I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I, I try to avoid people at all costs at this time, but I, we have purchased food. Right. But we'll like sanitize or wipe down even like brown paper bags. We're like, we're a little hardcore, I would say. Yeah, that sounds like it. And what's weird is neither of you, you guys really just see each other. You're both of your parents. You probably haven't seen them in a while, but it's not like they live close, right? Yeah, we're like an hour and a half away from both of our parents. Yeah, like I I get it. Like uh, if I were seeing my dad all the time, I'd be extra cautious. But what what what's behind you being extra cautious? Oh, I don't know cuz <laughs> I think it was the anticipation of like if we do see our parents, mm-hmm. um that we want to make sure that we're not sick. Right. There's a car alarm going off. Can you hear that? Yeah, we get all oh, we get all kinds of weird sounds on the podcast. In fact, I'm surprised <laughs> every Wednesday morning on the show in, in years past, um, some guy would zoom by on his riding mower like as we're wrapping up the show, <laughs> and it hasn't happened yet. Uh, pandemic aside, this has been the shittiest spring in a long time. Yeah, everything's really weird. I mean, from a nature perspective, we're like a month behind. What do, uh, what do you mean, like, as far as, like, birds and, and spring blossoming like, and things like that? I guess a month is a little bit of an exaggeration, but, yeah, like, birds. Um, blossoming, I don't know as much. But, like, the owls, for instance, some of the owls that I would check in on last year, their chicks were out of the nest by the 1st of May, and they're still in the nest right now. Okay, so explain some of this with your interactions with with wildlife. I've already introduced you as Alex Getz, wildlife photographer, and I I also think you might be the most followed person locally on Instagram. Is that true or, or close to true? I don't know if that's true. I think there's some... No, not at all. There's no way that's true. Don't you have like 30,000 followers on Instagram? No, I only have 14. I thought you had way more than that. <sighs> I let you down. I'm so sorry. Who's got more people than you locally? That's legit. That's legit. Uh, yeah. Little Cole. Who the hell's that? He's a big Instagrammer, man. You got to know him. He's from Toledo. He's actually like a teacher in Toledo who does photography and has a pretty big social media following. So he's he's think- still, he resides here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll check him out. But yeah, to, you, you to me have more followers than anybody else. And it's because you are you are global with your reach of wildlife interactions. And I don't think you were out. I didn't see much of your stuff being out this winter as compared to last year's, right? I mean, I didn't, I get, I'm getting so lazy on social media. I'm a little burnt out. Um, what, what's got you burned out about it other than maybe the obvious stuff? I think the obvious stuff, but then it's just like, so do you get like, it's tro- do you, sorry, go ahead. What's that? Do, do you no, get no, trolls? No, no, Cause trolls is usually uh, the burnout. No, actually I haven't even gotten, I, I'll get the one-off occasional person who like sends the really weird message and I'm like, I have no idea what justified this. And then I just right. easily delete it. Um, but no, I surprisingly don't get trolls. I actually have like looking at the analytics, like the people who follow me are actually pretty, pretty cool people. Yeah. I would guess that it's not a real cutthroat world in the wildlife, but um, I mean, there are assholes know, everywhere. It's, it, it, it can get weird and dark. 
I, I, I bet. I mean, there's competition in everything. Um, so is it just feeling like you constantly have to keep up with it? Yeah, I think that. And like, you know, people get into this because they just love animals and nature. And then mm-hmm. it becomes work having to put yeah. together all the content and stuff yeah. like that. And so sometimes it's just tough, you know, doing it 10 to 12 hours a day and then like, oh, crap, didn't post on Instagram. You, um, you know what gets me? And I'm, I'm used to it. I'm, I'm, I guess it's good and bad that I have the time to, to be mindful of it. But I've learned, and I used to suggest this to, to advertisers, like, yeah, advertise on radio, but you should also be other places as well. You got to put your eggs mm-hmm. in all the different baskets. <clears throat> I, I am now, like, I'm trained that, when I post something on Instagram, I got to put it up on Facebook. I got to tweet it. Like it's, I got to check all the boxes because so many people are so split up from all the different platforms. Oh yeah. I used to be that way. And then I got super lazy and was like, Instagram is just going to be it. Right. I did something I'm slightly ashamed of. And I created a TikTok the other day. Yeah. Yeah. I posted one thing and I'm like, I don't know if I could do this much longer. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I don't, it seems like it's going to be around plenty, but I, I, I never, I made a Snapchat account, but I, I waited yeah. it out. Uh, I just said, I, I can't manage all of these like, like you with Instagram. I, I'm going to pick one and try to be great at it and good at the other ones. And I, mm-hmm. I like Twitter for the most part, but I just waited Snapchat out. I hope I can do the same with TikTok, <laughs> but it doesn't seem like it. Is Snapchat like still a thing? Do no, you feel like Snapchat still a thing. No, it's no. no. It like- and, and I would always say like like four or five years ago when it was big, like everybody went there, got their filters, and shared yeah. it elsewhere. I'd say I'll go back to Snapchat when it's more dick pics and nudes because this mainstream news shit is bull. <laughs> um, well, that's the thing is I think there's a, a tipping point where all the old people get on a platform, right? And they start saturating it with like weird old people stuff and educational things, and then ads. And that's when it like starts to go downhill. And I think we're on the cusp of that with TikTok. Like everybody's bored in quarantine. Yeah. All the old people are starting to join. They're posting weird stuff. And then the kids don't think it's cool anymore. And I'll always, in a sense with, when it comes to like, who am I buying stock with, with the time that I have available, I'm always going to buy stock in Facebook and Instagram because they have more money than anybody else. Just buy everybody, yeah, 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 well, and, and then and co-opt what they do, or as one might like to say, intellectually thieve. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, what else do I want to ask you? So, what when you're out, people people enjoy our metro parks. Everybody knows our metro parks at a very like superficial level. You literally go deeper than that and have some incredible interactions, right? Yeah, yeah, I've been really fortunate. Um, trying to find wildlife, we've. We have a couple select parks, Callie and I, that we go to that are not as heavily trafficked, mm-hmm. which, which means ones? that the wildlife secor is, if you can survive the bugs when it warms up, <laughs> um, it's pretty amazing to see like birds and raccoons and opossums and foxes and things like that, just because no one's ever there. I mean, that's is an C- understatement. Is secor out, out, out central? Yeah. It's yeah, out by... It's like north, I think, of Oak Openings, but it, it gets a little overshadowed by Oak Openings. So right. I think people would rather just go down there for some strange reason. I mean, it's beautiful. Um, then go up to Secor and explore a little bit there. So yeah, people- we're, we're looking at like every little hole in a tree or nook or something, trying to find something to film or photograph. 
And they're all out there. What is it? If you'd like to see the one, just be quiet and be patient. Yeah, I mean, I think being pre- like actually going outside and you know maybe not blasting your iPhone while you're walking, which <laughs> weirdly is a thing, right? Um, and just like being observant. I see so many. I'll be filming something really interesting, like some really cool hawk or an owl or something at Secor, and people like jog by and never really realize that there's three owls sitting right in front of them. It's yeah, pretty amazing to see actually how kind of oblivious people are to the animals around them. Maybe because I've lived in cities for the majority of, of my life. I've never experienced nature like this. And for the, the longest time I lived here, I lived downtown. I didn't even see birds. I don't even think I saw pigeons downtown. And then I move out to where I live <laughs> now, and I'm texting you, messaging you, because I don't have your phone number, um, all these different unique birds. And I remember uh, out at, uh, I always confuse my Metro Park, Swan Creek, had a big banner out there last year, like welcoming the biggest week in birding. And this is like Mm -hmm. a a huge thing that happens when every May or so here. Yeah. It's normally every, I think the first of May for like 10 days and it's not a local thing. Like it is a local thing, but it's not just a local thing. People are like coming from all over the world to Toledo for like a week to just look at birds and it's we have this massive spring migration of these little colorful birds called warblers they come from like central and south america where they hang out for the winter and they stop in toledo before they make like their big journey across the lakes and they just hang out here for like part of may and everybody just shows up here to see them they i just googled it it looks like a like an outdoor parakeet they're pretty cute and adorable there there's some really beautiful ones um like i was out at oak openings the other day and saw some that i'd never i'm new to the warbler game so i'm learning my warblers now (laughs) i saw some pretty interesting ones i'm Um, looking at them now and all the different shades and things like that um yeah people people will go crazy to see some of these ones there's some pretty rare ones that if i'm in all these birding groups now i'm i'm not a birder but i'm turning into one i think um yeah, and people will like post saw this one, and then everybody swarms like oak openings. I was talking to somebody last week, and they interrupted our phone conversation. Like, hold on, I'm turning into my mom. There's a, a blankety blank bird outside, and I was like, No, no, you're not. I do the same thing. Um, yeah, because I, I have a couple of feeders out there that have been out been there since I moved. But I'm I tell you about this cardinal all the time. This dude yeah. yesterday after the storm, he was. Waiting outside, I I felt like he was waiting outside for me, like a stray cat, for me to go get him, not a can of tuna, but get my my tasty peanuts out there. It's got to be the same cardinal. And I I love the character of some of these birds. Again, maybe it's because I grew up in the city and you're, you know, pigeons, right? Yeah. Like pigeons give no fucks. They walk around people. They're (laughs) just another nuisance on a city street. But I've never been around birds like this where they have such courage and audacity and they interact so seamlessly with humans. And I I see the cardinal and I've seen blue jays. There are robins all over my neighborhood and you'd think they own the place for how many there are and how they act. Yeah. I mean, appreciate, you know, it's good. Like that appreciation for something that is so every day um, is important. I think a lot of people are from the city. You know, I grew up in the city and like in Toledo, for instance, they see something cool and then 
they're so excited by it. They just have to like throw food at something. And I'm like, give it a minute. Like let it do its thing. Not saying that for your peanuts and your cardinal, (laughs) but like there's a fox that lives in the park near my house. And as soon as people see it, all they want to do is throw beef jerky at it. And I'm like, leave the fox alone. But I know like it comes from this like little pit of excitement, but then it also can harm animals. The yeah, talk about that. Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing to remember is just, you know, like when you see something like a raccoon or an opossum or a fox, it's like, what is it naturally supposed to be eating? Raspberries, cat food, and beef jerky are definitely not on that list. But as I go over to see the fox den, I find piles of raspberries and beef jerky. And I'm like, I get, I appreciate how much you love the fox, but do not feed it beef jerky and raspberries. Don't really feed any wild animals, right? No, don't. Because then they get used to you, and especially animals like foxes, which are predators and tend to bite. (laughs) Um if they get used to people and they come up to somebody in the park and that person doesn't have beef jerky for them, they might get bit, you know? I actually don't have a problem with that. <laughs> Maybe it'll change people's opinions on feeding them. Uh, but isn't the big one, don't feed deer, because then you take them out of their ecosystem, then they come expecting food, and that's when they can potentially bring ticks? I mean, the biggest thing, animals inherently are very lazy. because <laughs> We're like, animals, so Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. But, like, think about it. We take the easiest route possible to get our food and, like, not spend energy. And for an animal that lives in the wilderness and has to find food every single day and it's not just in their shelf, like, it takes so much more energy every day to find their food. So they're going to take the lazy way out every single time to save energy because it's life or death for them. Yeah. So if a deer knows that somebody's going to feed it every time, it's just going to be like, Oh, this is the dude I'm going to this guy. And they're going to follow you for the rest of their life. They, uh, they don't seem to be too interested in people where I live and and they know there's food on my, my back doorstep and I, I leave them alone, but, um, there's some big ass deer. Like they've got to be, they've got to be like up to my shoulder high. Some of these deer. And I have to remind myself in the morning when I get in the car, um, to go around that bend to come out of my neighborhood. And even on some ports, some parts of airport, don't look down to fiddle with the radio because there are deer like at all minutes of the morning when I'm leaving. And Oh, I bet. They're, they travel in packs and yeah, they are, they're ballsy. For as far away from Swan Creek as I am, there are, there are a lot of deer in the neighborhood. I was leaving Kroger on Glendale the other day and there were six deer in some person's front yard just laying there. Yeah. They act like they own the, they're like teenagers. They act like they own the place. They're gangsters. Pretty much. Yeah. And they can get mean. People get, people get like attacked by deer. Well, the, the one, so I wasn't messing with them. They come from the, if you look out my back door and to the right, that there's a wooded area over there. So they come from there. So I'm looking out my back door one day and like around dusk, they like to prance through and then walk around the neighborhood. One mm-hmm. time, not that long ago, there was like four of them, and they heard the dogs barking through, the, the door was closed, but they heard the dogs barking, and I kind of looked at the guy, and he did the, like, what do, uh, like when rams do that thing with their paw, with their their leg, they charge. Mm, yeah, they like do the little stamp thing. Yeah, the deer was like lazily doing that, like, I could come fuck you up if I wanted to, but I don't. <laughs> but he was definitely doing that, and I'm like, bro, I yeah. don't want any of this. 
People's dogs get attacked by deer all the time. Yeah, oh, I believe crazy. him. Um, my dad, I don't know if I've told you this, and I'd like to do this. So my dad has taken to feeding squirrels back home where he lives. And yeah. long story short, uh, the squirrels will climb up on his lap. <laughs> and they are like his pets. And he's learned a lot. I've learned a little bit about squirrels that they are they are very intelligent. Uh, they're pretty darn friendly. And th- they will do this. Can you uh, support <laughs> any of that? Lowland, we call them lowland pygmy tree bears. <laughs> um, that's our exotic name for squirrels. When I don't want to post on Instagram, just squirrel. <laughs> um, I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty quirky. We have one that lives in our front yard tree and we'll find it like sleeping on a branch like every other day. Right. It's the most adorable thing in the world. Um, yeah, man. I don't know anything about feeding squirrels though. I typically try to avoid feeding animals, but my dad gives them peanuts. They, you know, everybody needs a friend sometimes. Well, I've always told my dad, like as he's gotten older and more retired, like dad, you need get a dog and I get it. He's not home enough. He has found the best of both worlds now. He has, as he calls them, Buddy and Carl. And that's amazing. He has some insane interactions. You think it's like an old TV show? They can obviously climb on anything. He said one day he was uh, he was standing over the sink, and there's a window right right outside of the sink, and one of them was looking in, like, "Hey, I'm out here. Are we going to do peanuts or not?" He's like Snow White. That's what I've been called before for all the animals that run to my back door. Um, I'd ask you a couple weeks ago, well, you're you're a you're pro possum, right? Oh yeah, because they're ugly. Dude, they're fuckers. so adorable. <laughs> no, are the you ba- serious? The, no, no, no. I, I thought they were, but the babies are pretty darn cute. But babies of a lot of things are cute. The thing is, is the possums they only live to be like three years old in the wild, and when they start to get to like three years old, they just fall apart, and then they do look pretty ugly um how come their no, lifespan so is so good. short because there's just this thing like there's probably a real scientific term out there but right. me not being a scientist <laughs> i won't know it um like animals that have more babies so like opossums have so many babies usually it's to like overcompensate for their lifespan being so short right getting as much genetic material out there in the world you know sure um some so men yeah, act just, like that <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. You'd think their lives would be so short. Now that Tim um, Can is back open. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they just, I don't know. They have a lot of babies for that reason. But what? So I see deer. Are, who is a squirrel's predator? A fox? Uh, yeah, a fox, an owl, a hawk. I, I haven't eagles. seen. I haven't seen any of those, although I told you I saw like a, a smaller, large predatory bird last week. But that's the first time. What other animals... Uh, are common to see around here. I mean, we have coyotes, but people people don't know coyotes actually are invasive. They're not supposed to be here. What, what do you mean? Coyotes are a southwestern animal. Right. And what actually happened, which is kind of mind-blowing to some people, is we used to have bears and wolves here. And when we killed all the bears and wolves here, it left open like an empty spot for a predator species to move into. Mm -hmm. And when we killed all the wolves and mountain lions and bears all across the United States in the early 1900s, because, you know, people were afraid of them and they were farming and they didn't want them on their land. Right. Coyotes are so smart. They just like spread out across the U S. Right. So 
we just did a project in North Carolina with wolves and some of the biologists we were working with remember the first day they ever saw a coyote in North Carolina. And like it was that was the day where all of a sudden there were coyotes everywhere, which means they were just running across the U.S. Right. Yeah. If there's empty land, they'll go take that up. They're, they're like people in that regard. Yeah. Very so, imperialistic. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, let's switch up. What have you uh, what have you done in the free time? You you're, you're usually always editing, but have you done less of that? And what have you done in your free time to avert boredom? Uh, no, I've been editing. Um, we've been going outside way more, which is important. I actually realized that I'm never here in May. And so like going out into the parks, I'm like, wow, I've never seen all these wildflowers before in these parks. Like this is beautiful. Um, so we've just been outside a lot. May here. I, I don't know. I, I, it could be the planet changing, but I remember maybe you do when I was a kid, when we hit Easter, the sun shone brighter. It was getting warmer. Now, yeah. Like now, we don't consistently hit sixty. Sometimes till after Memorial Day, and I I talked to my dad back home out east, and he gets the same thing. This is definitely yeah. different from a long time ago. I was just saying that to Callie the other day. It was like a beautiful day out, and we were walking. I'm like, this is Easter weather. Like this is what I remember every yeah. day, or every year would be like Easter, and then from here on out, it was beautiful. And that's just not the case anymore. Maybe the only caveat is it it does seem, and this is purely observational and anecdotal, it does seem like summer is lingering into October later yeah. more often. Yeah, everything's out of whack. It's yeah. Shifted. So. Um, so what have you done with free time besides walks? Have you watched anything? We don't ever talk about shows. Oh, man. They just put Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix. <laughs> Did they? I- Full teenage Alex has come out and started binge watching old shows that he used to watch as a kid. Yeah, it's a good feeling. And yeah, so I've I've forced Callie to watch some. I don't think she's into it. Um, but yeah, I've been on the Avatar: The Last Airbender train. It it might have stuff that's too old for you, but there's an app called Tubi. Are you familiar with it? I'm not. T U B I. It's all free, and the content is good. I watch it because it has like 80s cartoons that I grew up watching like G.I. Joe and Transformers and it's completely free. Um, That might be a spot for some of those types of shows as well. Oh, I bet. I'm trying to think of what else we've seen. Um, What's the thing you've, other than your Zimbabwe trips, what's the the mediocre thing that you miss, you feel kind of ashamed saying it, but you like, and you know what? I think we share the same thing. I just want to go have yeah. a cup of coffee at Maddie and Bella and sit there. I know. I miss it so much. It's I, not the same getting coffee and sitting on my couch or even walking around the neighborhood. No. I, I like the vibe. I mean, the thing is, is that was like my break for the day. Like right. in between like working on stuff or like shoots, I could go sit somewhere and have a cup of coffee and run into people that I know and, yep. you know, like forget that it was work time. Um, I need that back. <laughs> yeah, I miss... <laughs> I miss that. That's my hairdresser thing. <laughs> I miss that and going to the movies because when I would go, like yeah. I was, I, people are like, aren't you afraid to go? I'm like, no, I go 1045 after the show on a Wednesday. There's no one there. And now that Pearl is afraid to go, I will literally be sitting in these theaters by myself. So I, I miss my midday movies. And did you know that they're like $6? <laughs> 
During the mid, like during yeah, the day. Yeah, matinees are dirt cheap, so I miss that. I have. I don't know if this is a confession, but I think you and Justin Camuso have talked about this a lot. I have never gone to the movies by myself. It's not for some people. I I wonder though. Well, I think I can't anymore because if I do, Callie will get angry at me. But because normally she wants to see like the same movie. But um, I want to sometimes. Give it a try. <laughs> I, I I mean I I I got into it because. Uh, like 20 years ago when I was doing the overnight shift on my radio station in Detroit, obviously my life was different from everybody else. So I got used to going to the movie at like two in the afternoon. Sometimes when I woke up and I was like, this is great. Why would you like, it's like your own massive theater. Um, yeah, I love it. And I get that maybe you want to see certain movies and enjoy it with a crowd. Like you've, yeah, you saw Endgame, right? Yeah, yeah. Like everybody wants to cry when Tony dies. Spoiler. Like I get that and being <laughs> being a part of the collective sadness. Um Yeah. I'd rather sob by myself in a theater, but I probably do myself a disservice by not going to some movies with other people. With with, a, with an audience that is. Yeah. I mean, I guess I get that. Give it a shot. Never thought about it. Give it a I'll shot. I'll try it. I mean, that's if movies are ever a thing anymore. Uh, I feel like this COVID is ruining everything. It's certainly changing things and some things that we probably needed to evaluate beforehand because people are dirty as fuck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but other things are going to... So I know you're not a sports person and I've been okay without sports. My dad desperately wants it back. I, I don't yeah. like sports like I used to because I, I can't stay up to watch the games. Um, but I was listening to the list of things that Major League Baseball had suggested and I'm sure they'll find a middle ground, but like changing the ball after each pitch, no throwing the ball around in, in the infield at the beginning of the huh. game, players not playing, sitting four seats apart and two rows apart in the stands, no showering at the stadium, wear your uniform to the ballpark. Like at that point, it just seems like it's, it's so much that it's impractical. It's like, you know what? I'll just wait until this passes because that's a lot. Yeah. Like some of these things crazy. are going to be... I don't. I've said I don't want to wear a mask. If, if, if well, when I go back to the gym, I don't want to wear a mask. That's too restrictive. I'll just keep yeah. working at at home. There's has. Are there any places where it's like no? I you'll say no. I, I don't want to do that. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I've thought about it at all. I don't know, man. Just get one of those high altitude masks when you go to the gym. Oh, the one condition your lungs to be on like Mount Everest. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I've seen people wearing those before. Um, No thanks, no thanks. (laughs) But yeah, I don't want to wear a mask going to the gym. The one I have is kind of restrictive, and uh, from what I've heard, Planet Fitness isn't going to make people do that anyway. There will just be a lot of social distancing, and to Mm -hmm. the point of, it's like, hey, dude, you just or lady, you just sweat like all over this thing and did a pretty weak ass job cleaning that bench off. Like now you have to do it. Or maybe the people at Planet Fitness have the most boring job ever. Like, they don't do much, but maybe now they'll just, like, follow you around and clean up after things, which is the way a lot of places should have been from the get-go. I think the biggest thing is, like, the breathing to me. It's like everybody's breathing heavily. At the gym? Like, yeah, and just, like, particles everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, this, was, this was nice, wasn't this? See, I told you we'd have stuff to talk about. Yeah, it was... I just, you know, I just go look for animals and sit here with my cats. 
We yeah. didn't talk about the cats at all. Ah, Pippin Cricket get too much love on on your Instagram stories. I mean, they. I, I'll, I'll give them credit. They do have a lot of character for being cats. They do. Pip's sitting right over here with me right now, watching a bird. Um, I was going to ask you this because I don't know the the answer, and you don't have to talk about it if you want. How did you and Callie get together? Um, I guess there's a long story and a short story, but we met through mutual friends at BG. But we were both seeing other people at the time. Got it. And then both those other people broke up with each of us. And then I went away for a summer to North Carolina, came back, and we just started hanging out. And it started a beautiful relationship. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Um, (laughs) Last thing, what is your Instagram so people can follow and see all these great pictures of wildlife? So it's a Getz film. So A-G-O-E-T-Z film. You're going to have to change that. I mean, that's too hard for people. Is it? I, my it last might name be. is just, my. it's all my last name that's I know. difficult. But you know, when you say, <laughs> hi, I'm Alex Getz, they're going to say G-E-T-S because they're dumb. <sighs> that means they got to change everything. No, no, no. I mean, people will find it. And then people should definitely go watch your TED Talk, which is now two and a half years old, where Ugh. you had lots of turds coming out of your butt before before you were going to go do that thing. And I was like, you, what did I tell you? You stuck a camera in a lion's face. Uh, classy white <laughs> people from Toledo in a bar will be nothing. Yeah, that was the best wisdom that I got, actually. I was like, that's true. Um, yeah, man, I haven't watched it. I still haven't actually watched it. Really? Really? Every now and then, I will dig mine up to share because it's pertinent. And I do look at the... Uh, uh, see how many views it's gotten. And every, you know what? Once, once a month or so, I get someone reaching out to me and it's often college kids saying, hey, I came, huh. across your, came across your video. Would you mind answering a couple of questions for a project? In fact, I just did that not long ago. That's awesome. And uh, there are also some pretty shitty comments on mine of, of all things. Really? Yeah. Like, uh, this dude has no look. idea what bipolar is and all this other nonsense. So, like, it's the pinnacle of don't read the comments. Oh, uh. I think mine is so niche that I have like no views. Like no one's just like searching weird wildlife TED talks, I think. And so I don't think mine pops up. That's okay. Possibly. I think, I think at some point down the road, I'd like to like redo it and be like, Ted, can you take my former TED talk off? Ask, you can ask Will if we can do like a 10th anniversary edition. 10th anniversary. We could tag team it. Yeah. Um, didn't, uh, didn't uh they so we got to do the full ted length version it was it the last year or the last two years they cut him down to like eight minutes did they i don't I, even know i think so like that's after and you've done so many presentations too eight minutes is nothing like that's an elevator pitch that's tough like yeah. i had to do a talk for some place and it was like yeah you have 10 minutes and i think i was more worried that i had less time yeah because it's like, how do? What if I get halfway through and I've still rambled and I don't know where I'm at? I I practice my my talks, and I think the last one that I did, like big one, might have been like, oh god, what for for Epic Toledo? Like it, like that was a big production, not just when I go out with my buddy Jen Wakefield and we speak to classrooms. Like there were yeah. slides and stuff, and it had a narrative. I practice it not necessarily for the content, but for the length and some of the theatricality mm. of it. Because it's funny, I was. So I, before I, I, 
I'm going to slap this on to the beginning, which is just me doing some monologue stuff. And I said, the toughest part for me of being like a solo radio host, which is, it's the toughest thing to do in this business, isn't the content. Because anybody can talk. You got to be interesting. But the timing, like, hey, you've got commercials to get to here, or you've got somebody Mm -hmm. else coming up. The timing of things is so hard. Oh, I bet. Like, seeing you actually in the station, I'm like, I don't even understand how half this stuff works and how they can, like, think in that way. It's impressive. I remember one of the first things my mentor told me was, you can't be on the radio until you can run this board with your eyes closed. And that was a little Mm. over the top, but it made a lot of sense because, you know, there are, as you probably know, there are plenty of hosts and there's probably a ton of podcast people who are great at what they do. Now, granted, there's a lot less to run when you're just podcasting, but, you know, I've got commercials and songs and all that stuff. There are people who don't do do any of that stuff. They have like a board up, run their stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, All right, well, have a good rest of your day. This was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. This is the very first thing. I literally woke up at 7 and then just sat right down with a coffee. When I was going to ask you if you were going to... My biggest concern asking you was, uh, was whether or not you would be awake or not. I mean, I'm like half awake. I wonder what like afternoon Alex in an interview would be like versus or in a podcast would be like versus 7 a.m. Alex. You do sound like you're keeping your voice down a little bit. Is Callie sleeping? Uh, probably, but also I think I'm just like not warmed up Morning voice? Morning voice. I got it. All right. Well, I will, uh, I will talk to you after whatever animal I see today that I have to share, to, to share your way. Thank you for enlightening me to all things. I need to send you a hummingbird feeder. Yeah. You got to get your hummingbirds. They're all showing up. How much is a hummingbird feed? How much does a hummingbird oh, feeder I cost? Like, I bet it's like ten dollars. The upkeep uh, is annoying, though. Okay, so I I need I want my out my outside landscape. But if you can find a set it and forget it kind of feeder, I will buy it if you can help me put it up. All right, we'll socially distance and watch hummingbirds. Good enough. All right, I'll catch you online. All right. All right. Later. Thanks so much. Bye.